This is Dare to Try, a Tata podcast about entrepreneurs that have the courage and grit to pursue their ideas. We're halfway through the first series. Thank you so much for downloading and for your rating and reviews on iTunes. Keep them coming. They mean the world to us. In this episode, we talk to Eleanor Diekman and Ryan Robinson, founders of Aero Powder. Eleanor and Ryan created a startup which recycles surplus chicken feathers produced by the British food industry and transforms them into a new class of material. You'd never guess how powerful a chicken feather could be. Eleanor and Ryan discovered that the feathers made a great insulator. With a background in design engineering and biological sciences, they're now exploring the potential of waste chicken feathers in more detail through a PhD project funded by the James Dyson Foundation at Imperial College London. As well as shifting bales of chicken feathers around their lab, the pair are involved in endless rounds of pitching, selling their idea to investors and partners. Let's find out more about how Aeropowder was born. Ryan, chicken feathers, tell me about why you and Eleanor started to look into chicken feathers as the future for yeah. both of you. This started as a crazy research product for Eleanor's masters. And so actually we met playing badminton. So this is kind of how the whole thing started. We met on the badminton court and we kept talking and then she wanted some help with this project. She was starting to look at waste in society, thinking, oh man, how can I do better with certain materials? One of those was keratin. Where do you think keratin is found elsewhere? Chicken feathers. What else? Carrots. Unfortunately not. Oh. It's in your hair. Oh, it's in your hair. That's yeah. right. That's so right. she turned up at lunchtime in the canteen. I'm just minding my own business. Suddenly this bag comes on, boom, on the table. I go, hey, Elena, what, what's that? She says, look inside. Human hair is inside this bag. And I'm like, this project, we should shut this project down. Let's look for another source of keratin. If you look at how much there is, all right, human hair, there's a lot, but there's way more chicken feathers. So, Eleanor, where the hell did you get a bag of hair from, first of all? Did you go to your local hairdresser? and? Uh... It's actually German hair, and I imported it from Germany, and I got quite a lot of looks at the airport when they opened the suitcase to check because it really flagged up in my hand luggage, obviously, because no one had ever seen that in their x-ray machine before. So That's amazing. So a whole bag of hair from... Yeah, where it, was, did you get it? Uh, it was 10 kilograms from the hairdresser, from oh. like two different hairdressers. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you explain it to the customs officials? Um, it's hair, and it's not <laughs> forbidden to take with me, and uh, they couldn't say anything because it's... It's a grey area, I think. Okay, so it wasn't going to be hair, right? Which makes a lot of sense. So chicken feathers is the next sensible thing. Was that was that very obvious? Was it a very easy thing that you came across? We started talking to the industry. So we visited several slaughterhouses and we talked to the abattoirs and it, it really turned out it's a big waste issue for them. And the disposal options are very limited. And they yeah started supporting us and giving us some expert advice how we could reuse their waste stream. And they have actually a lot of it. They have between 50 and 150 tons on a weekly basis. So it's a lot of material. What do they do with it now? How do they get rid of it? It's a couple of different things you can do. If you want to, you could put it into landfill, but a ton of feathers is a lot of feathers. So that's going to run out of space real quick and you get charged for landfill and that kind of stuff. You could incinerate them, but again, not great for the environment. A lot of gas is given off. So the main option they do in this country is turn it into a low-grade animal feed. So it's a stinky brown protein powder. Now, we're in a pretty small room. If we opened up a bottle in here, I guarantee this podcast would be over. We'd, we'd be out. It's disgusting. We'd all be on our backs. Yeah. It would be yeah. disgusting. Okay. Um, so, and this is the main usage route, but we can't even use it in this country because, do you remember mad cow disease? 
that's because we fed animals back to animals. So regulations kicked in and we actually export it to like Africa, China, the mink and fox industry and like Scandinavia and stuff. So you got this material where no one really wants to deal with. We're finding like this low value, low worth product. So we kind of sat there thinking, maybe we can do a little bit better. And I guess that that's the ideal situation to be in because you've actually got the upper hand, don't you? Because you know these people have got a product they want to get rid of, quick smart. They don't want it. You say upper hand as if we're like the big boys. We're actually the (laughs) smallest minnows in a massive, giant, well-established industry. But yes, exactly what you said. But, you know, in theory. Yeah, in theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually brings me on to this idea that what we really wanted to talk to you guys about was pitching your business. And I mean, I think, you know... This idea that you have to stand up in front of people and sell them the idea of, of chicken feathers and why they're so brilliant and what you could use them for and, the, and these great properties that they have. Was it easy to kind of formulate what that was going to be? Was it easy to formulate the pitch between you? Did you know what you were pitching? When we pitched, there are a lot of different pitches that we basically have in our drawers. Some of them are more narrative, some of them are more um, investment oriented. However, most of the times I actually kick off the pitch with explaining a problem and visualizing the problem. So we either have on one slide as a picture a gigantic mountain of chicken feathers or we bring a feather with us and show the audience actually they're super light, they're really strong. And then everyone yeah, has this click moment where they realize actually it's a great material. But as a hook, we usually kick off the pitch with the big waste issue and try to visualize it as much as possible. One of the reasons is that the subject matter is like a lot of people can grasp it quite quickly. So... There's a lot of other pitches we see and all people are doing fantastic work, but it's very technical. Maybe only people in that field understand it or certain sustainability things. If you're in that circle, you know it. Great. But for us, we kind of just sit there and literally the question is, have you ever thought what happens to all those feathers? The vast majority of society eats meat and consumes chicken. And all of us have sat down and had a dinner delicious roast or whatever it is, but we never think about the feathers. So the light bulb moment Elena just talked about clicks and it helps us tell that story amazing and you do that right at the top of the pitch it's not at the end of the pitch there's a light bulb moment you can see people's eyes go oh i see what they're doing clever yeah usually you pitch to a broad public audience if we have let's say expert pitches to people who work a lot with natural fibers they know already a lot about properties and there are a lot of different waste materials so we then would maybe start off with a product that we made for example but that is usually really um, expert pitches so it's not in front of a big audience where you would would pitch for competition or anything. So those are more conversations you have with experts. Yeah, because you, you can assume a level of knowledge. That yeah, they exactly. Have. So exactly. you don't, they, they come basically across a lot of different waste materials. Feathers are just one of them. Right. And it's not surprising for them. So you don't, you don't a, need to make yeah. it over dramatic. <laughs> Judge the room. If people are falling asleep, you need yeah. to try the other pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elena, something tells me you don't like pitching in front of those rooms full of people. So there was a reticence um, to get you into the studio, so I feel no, like there I, might um, be a bit of a kind of, oh, I don't want to do this. No, no, I like pitching a lot, but I think we have done, I don't know how many pitches we have done now, maybe 60, 70 pitches, and you get uh, bored of your own story a bit. It's a necessary evil then. It's become a necessary evil now, has it? Because you do it all the time. Yeah, like you do you it say. all the time. You just um, almost have the words ready, and yeah, sometimes 
you just have to force yourself to put passion basically into pitching because you just have done it so many times. Depends a bit what's on stake, I guess. <laughs> so that's true. And I guess of course you're inherently passionate about this project, but to kind of like give the audience that passion they're expecting every time must be quite exhausting. Do you have anything that you do before, like the two of you, I don't know, do you go play badminton? You always get, like as many times you've done it before, you always get that slight moment of mini nerves just before you go up. Once it starts, you kind of just get into the flow because um, okay. we've done it a few times. But It depends I mean. a bit on the setting. Like if you're especially abroad, you have a really big audience in a festive room, like with a lot of decoration, dark lights, yeah, a really big ceremony almost. And then you pitch, even though there's maybe no money on the line, that's, that's quite nerve-wracking. There are other pitches that are fairly low-key or something in front of 20 people only, so that, that's fairly easy to do. But What are you pitching for? You've mentioned there that sometimes, you know, you're pitching when there's no money on the line. What well, what are you there for then? To get people interested? What is it? It's really a range of different things. So sometimes it's just expert panels that invite you to present. Sometimes it's more scientific. I'm also a STEM ambassador, so sometimes it's like once in front of school children. So you always have to adapt your pitch a bit. What is the difference between a pitch and just like... Sharing your story. Sharing yeah. your story. And, and actually there's no difference because... Pitching is also when you bump into someone you want to work with. It's also when you're just sharing a story with people you want to inspire. But you need to adjust and tailor and, like I said, feel the vibe of what, how far you should go. Because that literally standing in an elevator with someone and telling them about what you do, you do need to think of the right way to phrase your story. Just instead of stumbling, being like, yeah, uh, chicken feathers. And then um, there's like insulation. And man, we could really work with you. Like, that's not going to work. So you're pitching for a lot of things. It's not just money. It's... Working with people, connections, all the stuff. Elevator pitches are something that people people throw that term around. But actually, it, it is pitching in an incredibly short space of time. Have you ever had to do one? Yeah. Yeah, the mayor of London was actually two minutes, I think. The mayor of London, Oof, okay. like entrepreneur, that was tw- two minutes remember. only. Um, and actually, you won this, didn't you? You you won the award, is that yeah. right? So this was the Mayor of London Entrepreneurship Award. Yeah, that was a two-minute pitch and you also had no visual support. It was really just a two-minute pitch you just had to memorize almost and tell. <laughs> and there was no no presentation, the background, no image you could uh, cling on to really. So I think that was quite challenging. I've actually weirdly never come across the situation where I had to do a hardcore elevator pitch in front of an investor. You had an exercise once where they were going around the room saying, how can you condense what you do down into the least amount of words? I think we basically got to feather insulation. You can't get it shorter than that. That's our smallest pitch. That's it, 50-50, feathers, insulation. That's the plan. Half a second? Yeah. Sometimes I just say, we are recycling feathers, and that's actually enough for people to be really shocked or... Disgusted, interested, and they usually react in some. There's way. always an reaction. I've never seen someone saying, "Oh, yeah, that's cool." There was, yeah, there was no way, no, n- never a casual reaction to that. So. I had a, re- I, had, I was just in the states, actually visiting friends, and one, we were a big table. I knew two people, the other group of people I didn't know, and the people I knew tried to start the discussion at the dinner table, like, "Oh, Ryan, what do you do?" And I was just like, "Here we go." So I told a bit and then I just tried to shut the conversation down because I was worried that all the other people were not interested. Because again, I've said it so many times. I'm like, look, no one cares about chicken feathers. But actually a lot of people did. So I think, yeah, you always get a reaction when you just start with how crazy what we're doing is. (laughs) Some people just seem to always win the pitch. Here's some advice from someone who's really made it their sport. Hello, my name is Dr. Prashant Kapne and I work as Head of Loads Analysis and Prediction Department at Jaguar Land Rover. 
The secret to a great pitch is quite simple. A, B, C. A stands for audience, B for bridge, and C for chunking. So let's deep dive and learn the ABC. A is for audience. This is the most important question to answer. Who is your audience and why should they listen to you? It is not what you want to say, but what they want to hear. One must do enough research, ask questions about what the audience want. Once that is done, then the speaker can decide on the style of the presentation. Let's move to B. B is for bridging the gap between you, the speaker, and the audience. Schema theory was developed in the 1970s and has its roots in early 20th century research. It is a framework representing how adults view the world. It changes when adults encounter new information. The operative verb here is change, not build. And what is the best way to do it? There are actually two. Use metaphors and tell a story. Yes, tell a story. And with little effort on your side, you can even create a story while presenting to difficult to persuade and number-focused directors or board members. Let's move to C. C is for chunking, chunking information. Gestalt theory is a set of principles explaining how brain organizes parts into whole units. Our brain is wired to learn better if the large information is cut into smaller pieces. This is called as chunking. And we do this all the time in our day-to-day -day life. Take 10-digit telephone numbers, for example. How do we remember those? Chunking. Always follow a rule of four when presenting. Audience can only receive up to four chunks of information and process it in their working memory. You may also have more ideas, and this is where Gestalt principles come to an aid. One can nest smaller ideas within larger ideas based on Gestalt principles such as law of proximity and law of similarity, etc. and avoid overwhelming our audience. So this is my secret to a great pitch, A, B, C. And a bonus tip, don't open your laptop, PowerPoint or any other tool that you use until you have done your A, B, C. Is this something that you're going to be pitching to manufacturers, material manufacturers, the poultry industry, or is it going to be something that's going to be consumer-facing? Are people going to have chicken feathers in their pillows? Where are you aiming this? Elena, I'll start with you. I'm not sure if we're actually ever going to make user B2C products that people would use in their houses, let's say a tea tray made from chicken feather board. I'm not sure if that will ever happen. Um, first, we would probably aim for B2B. Uh, for example, automotive, for insulation, house insulation, business, because those are just the big volumes. And this material is really available in so many tons. To make a real impact, you would aim for a large volume application, and that's B2B. Would it be easier to make your pitches to people if you weren't pitching a product that inherently makes people go, Ugh, if it was something really zeitgeisty and cool, like chia seeds or hemp or something like that? It's chicken feathers at the end of the day. It kind of creeps people out. A lot of creepy people in the world. No, I think it's, while those things probably, yeah, have a bit of a buzz about them, it's the fact we are different that I think definitely helps. All right, there is a slightly squeamish aspect to it, but... That's not what we're really about. We're not about 
the squeamish side were about reusing a material in a more intelligent manner. So as long as we can kind of start having that conversation, then we can usually get around it. Some people think that we go out and we take the feathers ourselves. And I'm like, absolutely not. Reusing a waste that's already there. So, you know, that's how you kind of get around it. And you get your foot through the door, at least in their minds, just because it is something that a lot of people have experience with. I'd also say that in this day and age, with the emphasis on reuse and recycle, mm. people are more impressed when it is something a bit gross. People are kind of more on board. They're just like, yeah, chicken feathers, it's so gross. And look, it's going to make building insulation or whatever it is. It just, it almost feels more satisfying. When it happens, yes, we'll be very satisfied. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, ah, yes, we did that. We um, did that. So tell us where you are now then on the journey. I noted down just from reading off your website that you've had some dealings with incubators, accelerators, you've had funding from the EU. It feels like there's it's been a busy time. There's been lots of things kind of swirling around. Have all of those things been positive? You don't have to speak specifically if you don't want to, but you know, have they all been a positive thing? Or has there been anything that you could have kind of done with less of maybe at this time? We are getting now to, to basically creating a product, hopefully, but Behind getting there, there was also a big journey of things that didn't work out. At the beginning, we had this idea of we can put the chicken feathers in everything. We can put them in plastics. We can put them in, um, uh, I don't know, in, in literally everything. We thought if we get them small enough, we can do yeah, a lot with them. But a lot of the things either didn't work out technically or there was just a cost aspect to it. So we really had to pivot a lot to get where we are now. But it was a really good journey and it was a massive learning. I would say there's no one in this world at the moment who has tried so much with chicken feathers as we did. So so where does the power lie in your partnership then? <laughs> How long have we got for the podcast? Um, we, we have the whole afternoon. It's going to take a while. It obviously works. So why does it work so well? I think I would have not done it without a co-founder, the whole idea and realizing this idea. So everyone who starts a business, I, I would strongly advise to get a co-founder. It's just really important because there are a lot of um, situations where you A, don't have an answer to and you just need someone to consult with. And B, there are also just a lot of tough situations where you're either tired, you just have to push through and just make it happen. I knew we would um, work out in a way because we played badminton before and we were a really good team. It's the litmus test, apparently. Yeah. Everyone should play badminton. Yeah, to and find that's out. How you figure out who your so. business partners are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly the same. Usually, especially at the beginning, no one knows as much as you about everything. And also, the buck stops with the person at the top. For luckily, there's two of us. But you know, if there's just one of you, there's that stress of like, oh, I've got to make the decision whether we go left or right. And I have no idea which way we're supposed to go. So, yeah, I, I agree. I love this idea of you carting chicken feathers around. Is there like a chicken lab? Where do you guys do your crazy science experiments? We do research in a lot of different places. And we have luckily also moved now from small scale tests to really working with big industrial partners. So because feathers are so voluminous, we realized pretty soon we actually have to try um, everything on a larger scale. So we started running industrial trials, yeah, I think almost one or one and a half years ago because that helps you really to understand the big thresholds that you need to overcome because something works in a lab really does not mean at all it will work in a real life scenario but it was also really challenging for us because those big factory lines they don't run on a kilogram they run on a ton and suddenly you're a student and you're confronted with one ton of feathers arriving somewhere and it's a lot so it was also an operational challenge for both of us so what's the goal for Aero Powder? What's the dream? World domination, one feather at a time. Um, <laughs> I joke, but sort of, yes. 
there's enough feathers in the world to, to dominate, <laughs> to be fair. Um, yeah. You asked this at the very beginning, something about like, was this the plan or did you dream that? No, like obviously no one like grew up thinking I want to work with chicken feathers. So we'll see how it goes. But I think we're really excited about, you know, we're close to getting a product out, working with people. It's very exciting. And we'd love to see it kind of take off. So, so it's not just about the feathers. It's also about replacing kind of the synthetic insulation material. It would be great if we could knock a dent in the polystyrenes of the world and mean they don't end up in landfill, all this kind of stuff. So wherever there are chickens, there could be Yeah, and we use concepts that can be exported to different places because at the moment, yeah, we are quite limited to the industrial world because we need certain machines to make our products um, happen. So, yeah, if we can basically develop a low-tech, low-budget version for development countries, because they actually have the real problem with the feathers, they often just end up in the street or in landfill because they don't have a sophisticated animal protein production site that is actually needed to use feathers at the moment for feather meal. So, yeah, if we find a way how we can export this this idea to everyone in the world, I think, then job done. <laughs> job done. We'll be yeah. old and grey and there'll be descendants saying ah oh, the empire was built on feathers i'm like yeah job done job done <laughs> yeah well thanks guys it's been a real pleasure meeting you and thanks for coming on dare to try Dare to Try is a Tata production. To learn more about how Tata supports innovation and entrepreneurs, follow us on Twitter at Tata Europe. Thank you.